Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that post next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mears. Hunt now up. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, here we go, folks. Here we go. Hope we look handsome. It's episode 355 of the Anik and Florian podcast. Sunday, July 3rd, 2022. The show today presented in part by UFC Fight Pass. See the best that UFC Fight Pass has to offer on the Fight Pass 24-7 stream, offering a constant channel of historic fight action all day, all night. Tune in, sit back, and enjoy a network created by fans for fans. Step into our world, UFCFightPass.com. If I didn't read enough promos last night, we're starting with a promo today. I'm glad it's off my chest. Ken Flo, it's great to see you. Sunday, July 3rd, what are we doing? It's great to see you, too. I, listen, man, I, I mean... You call fights for what? 11 hours last night. You take a, a red eye or something, get back to your family uh, on your birthday. And we're making you work on your birthday again. I mean, this is ridiculous, John. I, I have to apologize. Well, hey, man, you know, double force today, 44 years of age. I came home to steaming hot duck donuts, which was my only request. Ooh. Outstanding. The plain one's the best one. Doesn't need any toppings. But uh, we're ready to go. Uh, full UFC 276 recap coming up today. And uh, we did mention presented in part by UFC Fight Pass. So we are going to be doing some exclusive content for them. Of course, the Anakin Florian podcast is going to remain. But uh, we would kindly ask you, if you are a UFC Fight Pass subscriber, or maybe if you are considering becoming one, to check out what we did. Because humbly, I feel like our inaugural segment for Fight Pass is some of the better content we've created. We look back at Ken Flo's win over Alvin Robinson at UFC 73. And obviously on that platform, we have the video rights to watch it back. And, uh, you know, as the president of Team Florian, I just got to say, I had the time of my life <laughs> watching you fucking smash his face into the ground. <laughs> it was fun, man. It was fun looking back. And, you know, I, I think like with so many things, right, there's, there's so many things that people don't know about things that happened before the fight, after the fight, during the fight, and, and getting a chance to just share that with some of the fans that maybe saw it, maybe they didn't. Uh, it was pretty cool and, and, and fun for me, and, and thank you guys for allowing me to do it. Ken Flo never fought on a prelim in his career. This fight with Robinson was actually a swing bout. It happened after a middleweight title fight between Anderson Silva and Nate Marquardt. So you get all that backstory and uh, and more Anakin Florian podcast content, of course, coming up on uh, on UFC Fight Pass in a couple weeks. 
We're not going to exclusively look back at Kenny's fights. I mean, early on, we're going to look back at a lot of his, so I can just be a dick about it. <laughs> get ready, Joseph Lozon. Hey, Clay Guida, get ready, bud. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we are going to be watching back some historic fights. A lot of them finishes, right? So we won't be keeping you for 35 minutes. But we're very excited about that segment. Um, in many respects, the brainchild of our executive producer, Cody Merrill. So we're very excited about that. Um, but let us get into UFC 276 and what was obviously a busy week, International Fight Week 2022. Time permitting, we will get into the PFL in Atlanta. So I can, uh, you know, throw some flowers uh, to Kayla Harrison, whom I absolutely love. Um, also, some thoughts on the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, time permitting, on the way out as well. But we will begin with UFC 276. Uh, T-Mobile was rocking, man, if I can say that. T-Mobile was fucking rocking. They want me to cuss less. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't know what to tell you. This is me. Um, I overheard one of my daughters say to my mother today, like, Daddy swears a lot. Came in. I'm like, you're fucking right he does. <laughs> it's my fucking birthday. UFC. I swear if I want. That's right. It's my birthday. Uh, undisputed UFC middleweight championship. Israel Adesanya over Jared Cannonier, 50 to 45, and then 49-46 times two. I went up and did the post-fight show, and Anthony Lionheart-Smith was critical of Adesanya, not for the performance per se, but just for suggesting that the, the performance was going to be something different than this. Now, it's an analyst's job to be critical, and I like the fact that Anthony Smith is fearless uh, when it comes to being critical. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, this is a successful title defense and a champion who emerges without a scratch on him. And I do believe that even though we're in an entertainment sport, that entertaining the masses, so to speak, does come second to winning. Uh, dominant, clean performance for Israel Adesanya. Perhaps I thought Cannoneer did win that third round, so 49-46 for me. Uh, I know Izzy is a little bit disappointed, uh, but no better man to sort of assess what we saw than you. So what were your thoughts on the latest title defense for uh, the last style bet? Yeah, I, I can see where Anthony Smith is coming from in that Israel Adesanya was, was perhaps billing something that was going to happen that didn't. Um, you know, the reality is Israel Adesanya is a highly, highly skillful and intelligent fighter. Uh, and he's a counter fighter. He requires a, a, a very certain dance partner. Um, and Cannoneer typically is that dance partner, similar to what I thought about Pedro Munoz versus Sean O'Malley. I thought it would be a perfect matchup for him. Pedro Munoz didn't fight how Pedro Munoz typically fights, and Jared Cannoneer took, I thought, a very different approach in this fight against Adesanya because Adesanya is such a damn good counterfighter. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the reality is, is that uh, that's the way Adesanya fights. Izzy is a um, a counterfighter. He needs you to come forward, be throwing stuff at him for him to slip and rip and, and counter you with good shots that you don't see. That's how he knocks people out typically is as they're coming forward. Again, I always refer to this uh, fight, but the one against Robert Whitaker the first time around, that's how he, he caught Whitaker and, and knocked him out. Um, he lures you in and... Cannoneer was very careful in how he came forward. And when he did come forward, he was going all the way into the clinch uh, and, and kind of fighting that clinch fighting style uh, with Izzy up against the cage, which, you know, at times was not the most entertaining. And I get that. But, um, you know, for, for people who maybe thought a different thing was going to happen or maybe had a different perspective on, on who Adesanya is and the way that he fights, just know that he is a counterfighter. Um, of, of the highest yeah. quality in mixed martial arts. And he's not the kind of guy that is going to deliver all this offense coming forward and walk you down. That's not the way he's built. That's not the way that he has, um, I guess, 
organized his skills. Yeah. So, you know, some fans obviously are uh, looking for more entertainment and I don't blame them. And I respect that take. You know, some fan wrote to me like, you know why we keep hearing Anik say, you know, undisputed king of the middleweights is because there haven't necessarily been a lot of moments to cap like that per se. You know, his fight with Kelvin Gastelum, in which he sustained a lot of damage, might be the greatest fight that I've ever called. You know, I happen to watch some of it back in advance of this one. I mean, there certainly have been some shining moments for him. And, um, you know, he did go at the media a little bit, you know, suggesting that he can do the media's job um, and they can't do his. So sort of be careful with their words. You know, I'm here with a healthy dose of respect for this team and this athlete. And, uh, you know, it's really a tricky thing at the highest level. You know, at the end of the day, my thesis statement on the fight is that, uh, the champ didn't have a scratch on him and the onus is on the challenger who was down and was very much, you know, implored by head coach John Crouch to go for the finish and really get after it in that fifth round. And I just would say, Ken Flo, you know, Glover Teixeira said recently when he was going into the fifth round of the Alexander Gustafson fight in 2017 or whenever it was, you know, his coaches basically said, like, go get knocked out if you have to, but you need to finish him. And you know what happened? He got knocked out, you know, and. Right. I know you've been in a fifth round of a fight against Jose Aldo where potentially you needed the knockout. I mean, 2-1 Florian after three rounds for me, for sure. So, But, you know, wh where where does the blame reside, if there is any? And what were your thoughts on Cannoneer's performance? Certainly he had a good game plan in terms of not allowing Izzy to get to those secondary weapons. Yeah, I, I thought that he, he did a good job of not allowing Adesanya to counter with that second, third, and fourth shot repeatedly. Um, he was very good about um, how he managed the distance and when he came in. And he was basically, you know, trying to get Adesanya to be impatient. Um, Adesanya has a, a tremendous amount of big fight experience now and uh, wasn't playing that game and also was utilizing his long-range weapons very well. Um, I, I didn't understand Cannoneer going for the takedown. I... I Kenanier, okay, you could take him down, maybe work some ground and pound, but that's not his, that's not like the strength of his game. I You're would right. have liked to see him get to the clinch and then fight that, um, you know, Muay Thai style knee elbow combination uh, and look for that big shot off of the clinch and kind of get to the clinch, break off with punches, you know, attack the body a little bit more, stay busier when he was, I thought, wasting a lot of time trying to pursue a takedown that I didn't think was. Um, going to bring about the strength of his game. I think the strength right. of his game is getting in tight, hitting you with a short shot that messes you up. And yeah. I, I don't think Cannoneer was bringing as much of that as I would have liked, um, but uh, certainly didn't take a, a lot of damage in that fight. Uh, like Adis you know, as a lot of people thought Adesanya was going to uh, right. put on him. So, um, you know, and I think it also shows a certain level of intelligence that, you know, he was able to adjust his game. Cannoneer is that guy who likes to walk forward, you know, just repeatedly look for that knockout. And he didn't fight in that way because he knew that that probably was probably was going to get him knocked out. Um, right. So that was the tough thing. And to go back to your point, John, and I think it, it's a point that's um, very accurate and important. Um that, you know, similar to a Floyd Mayweather, we didn't watch Floyd Mayweather because we were looking for this dazzling performance of overwhelming offense right, and a guy right. who was going to knock you out. He was there to show the art of boxing, 
the art of hitting and not getting hit. And, you know, I always talk about this, but, you know, he he would dazzle you with defense. And, and like, you know, a lot of people are like, well, that's not very dazzling. But for those who do it and those who have been around the sport for a long time, yeah. to be in close and to get professional boxers of the highest quality to miss and get yeah. countered and to let guys, you know, throw themselves off balance um, when they've been doing this their whole life. That was what that's what Floyd Mayweather was all about. And Adesanya has shades of that, right? He he does similar things. It's like you're watching more of an art form than you are a guy who is like a Robbie Lawler or a Brian Barbarena who's gonna walk forward like a juggernaut and just try to entertain you and make it a blood fest. Yeah. Certainly you heard Adesanya has a healthy respect for that other corner, and he was excited about the Eugene Behrman versus John Crouch head coaching component of this fight. Uh, and I think you bring up a very good point when it comes to the Cannoneer clinch because, you know, he did realize success there and landed a lot of knees yeah. uh, to the inside of Adesanya's leg. And, you know, freestyle wrestling, you're right, he told us, was not a part of the game plan. I mean, he did go to it in the third round. I did think Cannoneer lost the first two rounds, and uh, I did give him the third, um, perhaps generously according to some. I was actually going to leave the show with Alexander Volkanovsky today, but I thought I would swear way too much and not really give you much in terms of content. Um, so I led with this, but just sort of putting a bow on Cannoneer in round five and his obligation to maybe throw caution to the wind. Like if he just goes street fight in round five, right at the beginning of round five, uh, is there a 90% chance he gets knocked out? Like, what are you telling me? Right? Because... You know, I, I just I'm not saying that he was there for a moral victory, you know, but he certainly didn't, um, you know, and maybe there was a fatigue issue. But the first two minutes of the fifth round to me was a missed opportunity for Kennedy. Listen, I, I think you're right. I, I would have liked to seen a more aggressive approach in round five because, I, yes, Adesanya maybe could have knocked him out. But his chances to knock out Cannoneer, I thought, was early, you know, the first three rounds, first 15 minutes. And I think that Cannoneer. Uh, kept kind of going to that single leg and clinch unnecessarily for control as opposed to like you're not there to control him. You you got you're the power guy. Right. Adesanya is not the power guy. He's the control the distance guy, you know, try to counter you. Cannoneer was not bringing forth all of his weapons, which is get in your face, short range, look for those devastating hooks, knees and elbows, and he didn't throw enough like I, I don't know how many, he maybe threw two or three elbows the whole fight. Again, this is me just yeah. Remembering right. from last night, but I thought I was like expecting to see like 30 elbow knee combinations last night, and those were not there. When you get a guy who is, you know, high on power, who has that kind of explosiveness in close, um, you need to bring those weapons to bear. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't think he was doing that. And especially in round five, uh, John, I, I, I think you're absolutely correct. Yeah. If you're a UFC fighter listening to this, tweet me the word elbows and we'll have you on the show next week. They need to be thrown more often in mixed martial arts. Yes. So we're going to get to Alex Pereira and what is ahead. And then we will get to Alexander Volkanovsky and uh, plenty of shine for him, of course. But Alex Pereira in this feature bout on pay-per-view beat Sean Strickland by knockout two minutes and 30 seconds into round number one. So. Daniel Cormier and I got to meet Sean Strickland for the first time at the fighter meeting, if you can believe that. We did not call his last six fights. All oh, of wow. them wins. The last time we called a fight of his, he lost UFC 224 in 2018 at welterweight to Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos. But I love Sean Strickland. I had a chance to host the press conference. He's absolutely hilarious. Like, I need Sean Strickland content. I, I just thought everything out of his mouth, the, his delivery, uh, his comedic timing. Dude's the man. He was 25 and three coming into this fight. 
undefeated as a middleweight in the UFC. And he told us in our fighter meeting, I am going to see how visually things are playing out early. And if I'm seeing the shots coming from Pareda, then I'm going to kickbox. And if I'm not seeing things well, uh, then I'm going to wrestle and grapple. And uh, he thought he was seeing things well. He, he talked about this on Instagram. And uh, ultimately, he didn't see the shot that uh, was the beginning of the end against Alex Pareda. So we'll talk about the Pareda performance and then get to uh, everything else that comes with this huge win for the uh, Danbury, Connecticut-based Brazilian Alex Pareda. Uh, should I start with Strickland? Is that is that okay if I go there? Of course, brother. Okay, so Strickland, he's a beast, dude. He's such a tough guy. Um, but in, in so many cases, you know, uh, life is very paradoxical where, you know, your strength huh. is also your weakness. And uh, I, I think that um, maybe he overestimated um, his abilities a little bit too much. I, I would have liked to see Strickland get to the clinch a little bit more, at least fake like he's going to go for the takedown. This is a, a, a world champion kickboxer that you're going against. And I think you need to know yourself and know your enemy, right? Just like Sun Tzu used to say. Yeah. And Son Strickland is a badass dude. And he can outstrike a lot of middleweights out there in the world. No question about it. But I don't know if he gave enough respect to Alex Pereira. And I think he went into default mode too much. That was the Sean Strickland that I've seen in the last six, seven fights. And you cannot take that same approach against someone like Alex right, Pereira. Right. He was trying to paw and catch that lead jab of, of Alex Pereira. And after a little while, Alex was seeing it coming. He's like, okay, you want to catch my jab? Well, try catching this hook. And once, once Strickland went out to reach for that jab, that hook came up and around that pawing of that jab. And uh, Strickland certainly didn't see that. And, and, and that's what started, you know, uh, the knockout. So, yeah, I, I mean, Pereira just hits so damn hard, dude. Like, he's a lanky guy, but he's, like, thick bone. The structure of his body is one that you're, like, he's he seems like he's made out of steel. He's at that wiry wow. steel kind of bone that just, like, it, it, it looks dangerous and, and hurtful. You know, like, he's, he's so the kind of guy. Bro. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that, like, if you... If if he blocks a kick, you're like, oh, my leg is done. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna yeah. kick him again. He just seems like he's made out of steel, and uh, he he just seemed way too dangerous. And um, yeah, I, I think that so Strickland may have miscalculated uh, Alex Pereira and how good he is, and that just made it all the more exciting for me to want to see Pereira out of Sanya. Like, talk about making the most out of that night. Like that's oh. exactly what Pereira was supposed to do, and what you know he literally he's like. Here, this is all of me. This is the performance you want the UFC, like from the UFC. Here you go. You can make the fight, but I did everything possible. So uh, I hope that's the fight. And I tell you what, I, I, you will not find a bigger Adesanya fan than Kenny Florian. I know. I know. I love the damn guy. That is a tough, tough fight. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I, I have to study. I don't know who wins that fight, though. Like, honestly, I, I, I got to study those guys for a while, but like, Still, just based on what I've seen in the last several fights in both those, I don't know who wins that fight. I I don't know. Can we please just get to a stadium in Australia with fifty five thousand people, or New Zealand, I guess, it's wherever? Um, Brazil would be fine too. And if any champion would go to Brazil and take this challenge, it's Adesanya. I have so much respect for his willingness to want to fight the most dangerous guys, and and for Sean Strickland, right? I mean, find me other guys in the top ten. You know, Jack Hermanson's a bull. I'm sure he would have taken the Alex Pereira fight. But can we acknowledge Sean Strickland willingly taking this fight, knowing the danger when he's got an unranked guy, he's number four in the world. You know, Strickland absolutely 
could have strategically tried to get one more win and probably would have won it and gotten a title fight. And instead, he took the upside, the risk, and uh, obviously he paid the price. I think it's important to note, um, I, you know, and, and uh, Pereira said that. He's like, you know, there, there were a lot of fights that were offered to people and everyone said no. Yeah, Strickland yeah. was the only guy. And that's not surprising to me because Strickland uh, is is not a bitch. <laughs> Let's put it that way. He's yeah, a tough yeah. dude who's had a lot of wins, uh, who's not scared of anybody. Um, and, and he'll be back. He'll be back. He'll make those adjustments. He'll be yeah. back. But he does make need to make those adjustments. All right. So as far as Alex Pereira is concerned, and um, I pulled his man, Plinio Cruz, aside after the fighter meeting, and I was like, he sounds pretty congested. Is everything okay? And he said, no, it's just what, having to do with the, the weight cut, right? Mm -hmm. But this is a big game player. And you've heard us say on this podcast and probably on the air, you know, Glover Teixeira has now said to me twice in the last eight weeks, because I've had a lot of time with Glover, that he trains with everybody and Alex Pedeta in terms of his strength is different, his grappling and physical strength. We didn't have to see him use it at all in the clinch, but I have confidence that he can hold up in this situ in those situations. He's only getting better, obviously, training every day in New England with Glover Teixeira. But in terms of his ability to rise to the occasion and maximize a moment like this, like people need to understand, this is a two-division glory kickboxing champion with five defenses at middleweight. Then he won the light heavyweight championship. Adesanya certainly had moments in their second fight. I don't know if I watched the first fight between those two. But he's a real problem and a real threat. And I think in terms of the betting line on Adesanya for a fight like that, you know, he's certainly not going to be minus 400 the way he was against Jared Cannonier. You know, might be minus 180. This is so fascinating that this has come together. And um, y'all should thank the champion for making sure that this fight happens. Because Izzy... I wouldn't be surprised if he fights him in like three months, Kenny, in Abu Dhabi. Oh, my God. Dude, someone asked me on Twitter, hey, Kenny, what do you think about Pereira versus Prohaska? And, and I don't know. We're, we're, we're going way, way too far ahead, I know. But, dude, like, are you telling me Pereira doesn't have a shot against Prohaska? He could win I'm that. I'm not like, telling maybe. you that at all. Did I you say that? I mean? I'm not telling <laughs> you that at all. <laughs> but that's a – I mean, that's a – that's. I know we're going a little too far ahead. He hasn't yeah. even won the middleweight championship yet, but, like, if there's one guy who could do it at 185 and strike with him, it's probably Alex Pereira. It is 8.02 p.m. Eastern, and we have not even gotten to Alexander Volkanovsky, <laughs> so I think I have no choice but to stop it down there. And uh, Brian Petrie, by the way, coming up in about five minutes uh, as we continue our UFC 276 recap. Ray Longo's at a wedding. Uh, he asked for my birthday off, and, uh, and we obliged. So uh, what else can you say <clears throat> about Alexander Volkanovsky? Over Max Holloway, unanimous decision, 50 to 45 times three. Shout out to Robin Rowe, the great cut man, for uh, somehow, you know, solving what Max Holloway was dealing with there in round two. But Alexander Volkanovsky is just next level, man. Uh, you know, he and Kamar Usman, neck and neck, the, the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world. Volk's the total package. I guess my biggest takeaway, Octagon side, was the vision. You know, um, he just sees everything coming, man. You know, he just, it feels like not the matrix, you know, these guys micro dosing on mushrooms and everything fucking slows down for him. Uh, just reminds me of an NFL quarterback, just Tom Brady, everything fucking half speed for him. Uh, you know, some of these NBA point guards, it's just like everything slows down. That dude's an absolute legend. Um, what do you have for us on Volkanovsky? Um, the masters, no matter what sport, no matter uh, business, uh, athletic, whatever it is, the masters always live where the basics and the fundamentals are. And Volkanovsky 
is that guy who has those fundamentals and those basics down solid. He does all the little things that people don't see. He knows that stuff. Um, and what do I mean by that? I mean, again, and he's not he's not going to wow you or dazzle you with spinning attacks and all these crazy things. He's just always going to be at the right position at the right time. He threw a jab and he threw a one-two or a, a, a basic hook, but he was throwing him in combination. He was luring Matt, Max Holloway in. So as Max was coming in, he'd throw a jab right down the middle. It would force Max to kind of take another step forward. Holloway would take it. I mean, um, sorry, Volkanovski would take another half step back, land a little combination, and then slip off and never allow uh, Holloway to follow up with those three, four, five combinations and even let him get going. Uh, now, if Holloway was hesitant to come forward, he would faint freeze up Holloway and then come forward with like a one, two and break off again. So it was just brilliant stuff, masterful stuff from Alexander Volkanovsky that set him apart from who many people believe was the best 145 pounder in the world in Max Holloway, certainly top three, right? I mean, it's, it's Aldo, it's Holloway and Volkanovsky, nobody else. Right. Okay. I mean, Connor obviously has head-to-head wins over Aldo and Max, but no, didn't defend a featherweight title, and yeah, right, different time, different all, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and you you could talk about so, but the manner in which Volkanovski did this um, was just extremely impressive. No, Dude. who does that to Max Holloway? Dude, who I does do think you can beat respect. Max Holloway? You can beat Max Holloway, but you don't do it like that, like. Volkanovski got touched maybe once or twice. Like it looked like he got touched once or twice, but it was just unfreaking believable, dude. And Holloway is such a stud, but Volkanovski showed he's at a different level. Look at that. All right. So this right here, if you're watching on video, is a piece of artwork uh, that was created for Max's win over Calvin Cater, which I believe is the greatest singular performance in UFC history in Abu Dhabi. Ross Baines. You're the man, okay? My fight credentials, by the way, back there. You can see that. Really compelling content on the audio side right now. That wasn't the max that we saw this night. You know, he wasn't nearly as fast as the fighter uh, in Abu Dhabi that night, and certainly a lot of that can be chalked up to Volkanovski's greatness. And by the way, Volkanovski, uh, it appears, broke his hand in round two, and I guess he acknowledged that to his corner, and they were like, we don't want to hear you talk about that for the rest of the fight. And he's like, okay, right. You know, <laughs> I, I love this whole team. Yeah, I don't I need this. I have it. another one. You're right. But Max Holloway, I mean, Volkanovski very early on in this fight was talking trash to Holloway saying, oh, much faster, man. You're not on my level. Like there was a definite speed discrepancy. And, um, you know, I don't know if it was an off night for Max or, you know, how the cut went or the energy expenditure. I mean, Max Holloway has been in a lot of fights and his last two performances against Cater and Yair Rodriguez were absolutely outstanding. Um, but I just think he, it, even just early on, it just didn't seem like the snap and the speed and, and the, the, the vintage Max Holloway was there, at least to my eyes. Yeah, you know, Max, Max requires you to be in front of him. Um, you know, he, he's got good footwork. He, he doesn't have great footwork. Volkanovski has great footwork, um, and, and that's the difference. That's always going to be the thing, I think, that really sets apart the good strikers from the truly elite strikers. Uh, Volkanovski, and, and let's just, you know, be frank, the, the Team City kickboxing, it, they're just doing things differently, man. You know, again, Eugene Behrman and all those guys, all the coaches over there, um, kudos to those guys. They're, they're just, they're, they're doing an amazing job with their fighters. And 
it's rare. It shouldn't be rare, but it's extremely rare that you see a champion like Alexander Volkanovsky continue to get better. Um, it shows a, an intelligence, a work ethic, um, and and an athleticism um, that that is rare. That is truly rare in, in this day and age. And Volkanovsky set himself uh, apart from every other 145 pounder in the world last night. Um, and, and I was just wowed by the performance. Yeah. Well put, my man. Truly an elite athlete. And to Frank Hickman and Andre Paulette and Ash and everybody yes. else and Tim Simpson. Uh, you know, I'm glad that Joe Rogan on the broadcast acknowledged the American Kickboxing Academy because I do think in terms of the stateside teams, that would be the point of comparison for me just in terms of, of how unified AKA is. But, man, I've just never seen anything like it and uh, how they build each other up. And, uh, you know, if you don't think that Kai Kata France is going to uh, be inspired by all of this as he gets his first championship opportunity later this month, so much respect for Alexander Volkanovsky. As to what is next. I mean, the world's his oyster at this point in time. At featherweight, Josh Emmett, Arnold Allen, I think both, you could argue, have put a body of work on paper that is enough to get a title shot. Certainly at Josh Emmett's stage of career and given the injuries and age, I wouldn't mind seeing it. Um, you know, but a couple of title defenses ago, we started talking about a move up to lightweight with Alexander Volkanovsky, and I think he wanted a little bit more meat on the bone as far as his featherweight legacy was concerned. He wanted closure in the Holloway series, which man, did he achieve last night? Um, you know, obviously there are lightweights that are worthy of a championship opportunity against Charles Oliveira. So I'd kind of like to see maybe a Josh Emmett title fight right now in three or four months, although the broken hand might get in the way of all of that. Um, but Volk has talked a lot about staying active. So, um, you know, if you want to put your fucking promoter's hat on, uh, what would you do with Alexander Volkanovsky and what do you think he wants to do? Okay, so th there's been a lot of talk, and of course it, it's been coming from Volkanovsky about him wanting to go up to 155 pounds. Um, and I, I think that would be, it'd be a tough out for him. You know, like, geez, man. Like, John, you got 20 Gs. And Alexander Volkanovsky fights Armand Sarukia, the number 15 guy at 155 pounds. Yeah. Are you feeling comfortable putting 20 Gs on Alexander Volkanovsky? That's, that's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, okay, I mean, and then like, let, let's talk about like, Mateos Gamrot. And he's what, like 10 or 11 or something like that. And you got, you know, I don't know, like look what Dustin Poirier did to Max Holloway. Yeah. I, 155, it's just, it's just a problem. You know, you got, uh, you know, Mahashev. You, you got Charles Oliveira, of course, at the top. You know... It, Chandler, um, you know, Poirier, Gaethje. I, I think he might beat a guy like a Gaethje. I think he might be too technical, but damn, Gaethje's a big dude, man. Yeah, like yeah. Holloway made Volkanovsky look small. And technique-wise, skill-wise, Volkanovsky is as good or better than all those guys on 155 pounds. Like he's right, right there with the top five. Absolutely. But size matters right despite yeah, what your yeah. girlfriend says okay guys who are right, listening out there right, size yeah. matters and huh, and you know it, huh. when, when when the skill is close you know you're talking about you know a guy, how about um what the hell who's the guy jalen turner six foot three huh. 155 pounds like dude that's that's a problem yeah Th those no guys that's fair huge. And sense? even though Alexander Volkanovsky, when he played rugby league, was 214 pounds, he's still 5'6". He did have a right. longer reach than Max Holloway. He is deceptively long, I would say, yes. as far as his arms are concerned. But no, I mean, fair points all, right? But I think ultimately, at this stage of Volkanovsky's career, right, 
remarkably. It took him, however, you know, five, six years in the yeah. UFC to get into the Hall of Fame and become the greatest consensus featherweight of all time. It's about money, you know? Right. And I, and, and I hear that. And listen, I, and, and sorry, to go back, I, I would say probably Emmett. Let's, let's make the Emmett fight. Right. There's nothing wrong with being the absolute best in your weight class. Right. And, and I know he wants big fights and he absolutely deserves big fights. So, Volkanovsky, who gives a shit about what I say? Yeah. Go and get it. Go and get it because you freaking deserve it. Um, no matter what it is. But it's like, dude, when you're that good, he should be getting that at 145 pounds. Why no, does he need I know. some other you're right. You know what I mean? Well, but right. Yeah, yeah, he wants to make more money. You know, he should be getting paid more if it needs to ha- if that if going up to 155 is the only way he can get it done. So so be it. And I don't um, know that to be but, true. I really don't know right. that to be true. Okay. I, I think the pay-per-view this weekend figured to have done pretty well, and uh, hopefully he reaps the benefits of that. But uh, those are all uh, very good points, and uh, we're all excited to see what the future holds for uh, Alexander the Great. All right, plenty more on UFC 276 as we welcome in Big Gun Brian Petrie <laughs> to the yes. conversation. I'm glad Jalen Turner's name got brought up here in the A Block. BP, what's up, my man? What's going on, boys? Happy birthday, Johnny. How you guys doing? Thank you, buddy. We're doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Had a good night last night. Wallet is fat. Let's yes. go. Let's go, baby. Tell I me a little he, bit quickly uh, about the action before we uh, tell me a little bit about your action, your tickets sure. before we move so on I, to some of these other performances. I gave out a slime ball parlay, which I have on my shirt, uh-huh. and I gave out an extra slimy one. You, uh-huh. It's always three legs. I added a fourth leg with Pereira, which was six to one, seven to one, but... I had Sean O'Malley, which pushed, so it ended up being 5-1, but I put a hefty, hefty number of units on that. I had Jalen Turner by any kind of finish, which was very helpful. And then um, blah, blah, blah. I had Izzy, but a very small change, but it was the two parlays. I hit both parlays. Uh, that's really what did it. And then last week, I had Chris Curtis, so my bankroll was pretty fat. Now it's even fatter. Uh, went and bought a chainsaw today. I got to go cut some trees <laughs> now. I'm a fucking just lumberjack nowadays, I guess. Uh, but no, it was good, man. It was good. It was a good night. UFC 276 was wild, man. Yeah, it was a wild night. And uh, sometimes it's just so chaotic on pay-per-view. And this was a particularly chaotic night with uh, with all of ce- the celebrities and everything else. You know, one time I'm doing a single shot. You may have noticed we worked in a few uh, a few more single on uh, campers. Yeah, I noticed the, that. Uh, yeah, look good. Broadcast. Yeah, shout out to my producers, uh, Zach Candido and Michael Lappy LaPlante. Wanted to see my face more on television. I like that. Yeah, it was not, I don't know. that was not my request. But anyway, I'm getting ready to do one of those stand-ups. And I see in my periphery, out of the corner of my eye, you know, a fist reaching out to me. And I look down and Shaq's there to give me a fist. <laughs> yeah. Like, Let's fucking Shout go. out Chris Pratt. First fight of the night, he was there. Yep. Joey Bucket Hatch, Joey Burroughs was yep. there. I yep. love it. I mean, yeah. yeah, and so it was Jesse Bates and Awuzie, who are also both Bengals. So I got to Yeah, sorry they too. didn't get the verbal mention. I know. It's, it's all right. Joey Bucket Hatch. No, I did get a pronunciation on the uh not Jesse Bates, but the other guy. I did have the pronunciation BP ready to go. I just yeah, Luzier, yeah, he's yeah. he's a stud. All right, so um, I quickly just wanted to get your two cents on Volkanovski, and then we'll get to uh, Bam Bam Barbarina and Munoz and Turner and everybody else. Uh, your thoughts on Alexander Volkanovski uh, in all his glory last night? Unbelievable. I mean, I played Max. I picked Max because, and then I was even more confident all week how hyped up Max was. The behind the scenes stuff. I am the Heat brother, and then really emotional and the second fight was very close i'm like oh this third fight he's gonna put it together but volkanovsky just proved that he made it just a little bit bigger of a jump and we all can argue or debate if max was off or not i think dc and you guys really covered it well on the broadcast i just think volkanovsky was that good 
Max yeah. did look a little slower. He looked like some, you know, the cut could have bothered him. It looked like he was stuck in mud at times, but Wolkanowski's different, man. And and that blew me away. I have no idea how this guy gets booed and how he, I know everyone loves Max Holloway, but everyone should be fans of this guy. He seems like a good oh, dude and uh he's awesome. And, and he's unbelievable. And you guys were discussing if he goes to the 55, and Kenny made a great point. I mean, the benefit for him going up to 55 is he'll get a title shot and or title like you know fight, right? But fighting a guy like Armand Sarukian or Mantu's Gamrod or Jalen Turner, that's yeah. not a great matchup for him because he, he is he's short and he you know he's he's a thick kid. And I think 155 will look jack, but yeah, I think you give him Emmett, and then I think you give him Arnold Allen, and we'll see how 55 shakes out because there's a lot of yeah. rumors about Oliveira not wanting to fight in Abu Dhabi. And you know, I think that guy should be able to fight wherever he wants. He's proven it, and, and we'll see. But uh yeah, Volkanovski, 10 out of 10 performance. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, and I do think there's a lot that we need to see shake out at lightweight, and I think you'll see the promotion may just shake that out. But uh, let me just ask you guys this very quickly. So in terms of the size thing, right, you may have seen Kamar Usman at the UFC 278 press conference start to talk about light heavyweight. Of course, his good friend Israel Adesanya is the middleweight champion. There was a face-off between Jan Bohovic and Kamar Usman. So, you know, Kenny's asking me about Saruk Jan and Volkanovski and 20 Gs and uh, – I'm going to ask you guys, if I give you $5,000 to go to the window, Kamar Usman versus Jan Bohovic, Brian Petrie, 5K, who are you backing? You backing the bigger man, Jan Bohovic? Usman. I'll go Usman for that, that X-Factor wrestling. I saw them do the stare down. They did like a jokey stare down yeah. in the back, face to face. Kamar Usman didn't look – I mean, Jan's a big 205, but Kamar yeah. Usman didn't look that small. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm an Usman guy. He's a bet number one pound for pound. I can't go against that. 5Gs, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jan Bohovic. A little long in the tooth at this point, but yeah, get and, and then you got taken down by Glover. I think Kamara can take him down, but man, yeah, it's interesting when you start really adding shaking up these weight divisions. It's 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 nuts. Jan looked pretty lean, Kenny, uh, Saturday night, but Ken Flo, Jan Bohovic, Kamara Usman, 5k, bigger man or no? I mean, I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want this to come across as disrespectful to Bohovic, but yeah, I'm, I'm in the Usman listens, camp as though. well, and and exactly, <laughs> I'm sure he does. Uh, don't beat me up. Um, here's the thing. The other thing about Usman, he's the only guy that I would feel comfortable putting 20 G's on to go up a weight class and fight for right. the belt and win it. Like Usman, like that's the dude right there. Um, and, and again, the fact that he can go up all the way up to 205 and be successful against high level guys says a lot. And, and, um, I, I believe that it was Usman's the dude, you know, who's huge. Leon fucking Edwards is huge. Really? I really? UFC 278 press conference. Now, oftentimes I look to see how big these guys' hands are, right? Because I want to see how big their penises might be. No, I want to <laughs> see how big their hands are because, like, Brock Lesnar's hands were big top to bottom, right? Yeah. But Francis Ngannou's hand would completely envelope Brock Lesnar's hand. Yeah. And there are some guys, you know, Montel Jackson, who just has these huge mitts. Like, Kamar Usman's hands take it for what it's worth are much bigger than for Brian Petra, you know, as a handicapper, he's listening. Mm -hmm. Kamar Usman's mitts are much bigger than Leon Edwards. But Leon Edwards looks like he's six foot three inches. I mean, Leon Edwards is a big guy, you know, really? he's long. Yeah. He looks big. He, um, just, he doesn't seem big to me. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm just small. You know, <laughs> I got big hands, though, if you're wondering, there you not go. tell you about you look, stuff. you look bigger than Rogan out there. And I got to say, you look, yeah. You know, people are like, you're not five nine. It's like I am. I love that <laughs> Rogan in a tie set the internet ablaze. Yeah, Him yeah. on a tie. Like, and I was like, yeah, he's yeah, doing stand-up in a tie lately. So he, he just packed one suit. He's like, I'm not packing 10 suits. And he just no, told us one. Actually, not accurate. His other uh -oh. suit in my dressing room. Uh he did get oh. new shoes though. If okay. 
Rogan's I got figured he was just like, time in a couple years. I'm doing stand up. I'm going to wear a suit, same suit off the rack. Doesn't look like a custom tailor kind of guy, but uh, yeah, him in a tie set the internet ablaze. I don't think I've ever seen him in a tie. He went straight from his stand up routine out to dinner, worked out in that suit, and then just came right to the arena. <laughs> that's, that's about right. Sat in a four degree the hell sauna. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's the man. But no, that was the first time that uh, that he had ever worn a necktie uh, working with me. I worked with him for the first time in yeah. 2012. I think I've never seen him wear a tie. That's crazy. Uh, got a thick yeah, neck. No, I'm going to I'm going to uh, I'm going to mess with him later. on. Uh, on well, and it wasn't fully up, sure. Kenny. It wasn't all the huh? way up. You know, it was, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a little loose. You had to keep it a little casual. I thought he looked yeah. great, though. I do. He looked great. I thought he looked like, great. I liked it. I liked yeah. it. All right. You know what I really liked? Jalen Turner. I'll get back to Bam Bam Barbarina of that, I can assure you. But, dude, Jalen fucking Turner, five straight finishes, finally gets the bonus, 6-3. You may have heard us say on the broadcast he had a very bad weight cut for his previous fight, I believe, against Jamie Malaki. Not a bad weight cut at all. I mean, it's nuts, man. Like, as a 152-pound man myself right now that this dude weighs 155 and then this time he's like skipping off the scale. You know, I've never felt worse about myself physically. <laughs> um, Kenny, what'd you make of Jalen Turner? He has a lot of skills. He, his fight IQ is exceedingly high, comes from a great team. Um, submission skills, striking skills, size, poise. Uh, I think he's the total package. I think he's going to make his way to the top five, potentially, if not higher. Again, if he was, you know, anyone who's outside the top 15, if you were looking at it like, uh, you know, like a UFC draft, he would be my number one pick as far as guys wow. to potentially get in the top five and maybe win the belt in the future. He's young. He's, he's got the physical skills. Uh, I love his mindset. Um, he's a fighter, but also a martial artist. He continues to evolve. Uh, he knows how to adapt during fights. He's got a, you know, a high level of intelligence as a fighter makes the right decisions uh, aggressive without being stupid. Um, I, I love it. I mean, yeah. the, yeah. the sky's the limit for the kid, um, and went out there and made it look easy and, and, and what was a beautiful setup and, and finish to that knockout. I mean, just gorgeous stuff for a guy who's tall and lanky, you know, you think, oh, he's kind of more of the counter type guy, like an Adesanya. He's got power to go forward and knock your ass out too. So, um, good luck dealing with that guy, you know, yeah. um, no easy task. I think he, if, if he continues to develop his wrestling and grappling skills and, you know, keep, you know, continue on the trajectory with his striking as well. That's uh that's tough for anybody. Yeah. We'll see if long-term he can make the weight. I feel pretty confident that he can, especially given what we saw on Friday and the punch that led to the submission came off a of read. Brian, uh, Jalen Turner seems like a Brian Petrie type of fighter. Oh, definitely. My my idiot brain, I saw him fight live in Atlanta against Rivola. He didn't just get ground. It lost the decision. Oh, yeah. So I wrote him off. And then now I'm finally back on the train because I opened my goddamn eyes. But um, the right hand was beautiful, big, powerful. Like Kenny said, usually these long guys are counters. He led the dance. It was exceptionally fast. And you're getting a Brad Riddell who's in camp with Volkanovski, who I'm sure they're they're head to head training partners with a similar size. Izzy, Kai Car France is coming up, and uh, you know with a fight soon. So you got a sharp Brad Riddell, and I love the way after after that they went to the ground. Jalen immediately went for that neck because when these guys yeah. have really yeah. long arms, the biggest some of the guys you're just like, man, just learn some like really good basic chokes 
And he wrapped that up, repositioned his hands, and was just death. And Brad Riddell just had nothing to do. Uh, and I agree with Kenny. I mean, I want to see him go against some of these wrestlers. That's still my biggest question mark with him. But if he can get that weight cut right, I mean, he's enormous in confidence, his building, and he's and he's good everywhere. Yeah, Kempo, thematically, this was a pretty good uh, night for offensive jujitsu. You gotta, you, you love to see it, you know. I was loving it, man. I was yeah. loving it, and uh, and that's a good point. Like, geez, Turner, he may develop into a welterweight. You know, he's still mm -hmm. still pretty young, six foot three, dude. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, man, he's a specimen, and he has a lot of pet tarantulas. All right. Brian Barbarina over Robbie Lawler, and uh, it was a TKO in round two. Petrie, we'll start with you on this one. Um, you know, younger fighter wins in a lot of respects, right? 65-plus percent of the time. I know the Sharps will never let me forget it. Um, you know, I thought Robbie Lawler looked pretty good early, but uh, Barbarina able to sustain. And, uh, man, you know, Barbarina's nuts, dude. I mean, he's yeah. a total fucking <laughs> madman, you know? Like, I wish I was I, one of his kids. I, I love what he wore to the press conference. That's so fitting. Overalls yeah. with no shirt. I love that. Like, hey, I'm a farm boy. This is what I'm going to do. Um, Listen, that first round was nuts, right? I mean, Robbie Lawler, one of the better guys in the pocket. And Biber, Brian Barbarina survived that first round on heart and chin. I mean, he got hit big. He was throwing back and stuff, but he was getting leveled. In that second round, he made some adjustments. Like, I'm going to start throwing some elbows. I want to mix it up. Robbie's there. Robbie likes doing this and the head movement. And then Brian just tagged him. And then, But the big difference in the second round in my opinion was robbie kind of fell off a cliff a little bit he might have got buzzed he might have got hurt something might have hurt him but it looked like his cardio started to slow down and that's actually what i thought brian barbarina was going to do because we've seen that in the past i thought he was going to slow down that's why my pick was bob lawler but uh man yeah brian barbarina is nails and i'm glad that he got the win i'm glad that he got the cheers because we booed him in ohio the guy deserves it seems like a cool guy and uh amazing fight it was, it was exactly what the crowd needed after the o'malley awkwardness of the ending and uh, you know the nelk boys ran out of the buildings they were crying because sean lost and uh <laughs> so that's that's or not lost excuse me he uh had the no decision so right. that's what we needed as as like a crowd and a fan even though i wasn't there um it, it was amazing the both guys delivered incredible yeah listen um barbarina is an absolute savage uh and i agree petrie pretty much broke it down beautifully i, I was really surprised by his conditioning dude how many yeah. punches did he throw he did not get tired it was like yeah. he was just warming up in round that one farm work you know that bam, had, bam family farm man dude gotta be i mean i don't know what it was but he looked phenomenal conditioning wise uh his chin is just ridiculous he's so damn durable um but on the other side of things it was it was sad because Again, we saw a little bit of that in the Nick Diaz fight, e even when he won. But Robbie Lawler, you know, that was one of those fights. Where it was like, okay, like it's, yeah. it's he probably should be wrapping it up at this point because, again, you're telling me Robbie Lawler from even five years ago that would have happened to him? I, I don't think so. Right, you know, right. it seemed like conditioning wise or durability wise, um, he. Uh, I mean, I'm stating the obvious. He certainly had much, much more. Um, but last night in, and the night and the fight before that it's it's been waning it's been fading and yeah. um you know it, it's it's time man robbie lawler has done everything out there in the sport he is a, a legend amongst legends a, a true og in the sport and yeah. um i i want to remember robbie is the guy who who gave it you know his all and had all of his skills to 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 you know move forward and and do what he did best and last night that was not Robbie Lawler in his prime and that's right. okay it doesn't mean you have to be like that all the time yeah but um 
you know, I, I hope he's getting close to that decision. I don't want to see him take damage at this stage of the game. And, and, yeah. um, you know, uh, it's still a beast, but, um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 that was one of those where I was like, I, I hope Robbie's done close, close to this. It, yeah, no, and I think that's matters. fair. And I think it's one thing for a pro fighter like yourself, who three times fought for the UFC title to say that I obviously have said repeatedly, I'm not in the business of retiring fighters, but given all the fanfare for Robbie this week, and I can tell you the loudest ovations were reserved for Robbie Lawler at the press conference. And Max Holloway, of course, on the Ninth Island, getting plenty of shine. But uh, when he walked out, like there was so much Lawler love. And, you know, I don't think it would necessarily be a bad way to go out. I do agree, Kenny, in terms of the durability didn't seem to be there. And just the wherewithal to sort of get out of harm's way and reset. Mm -hmm. He's just sort of hanging out there. Uh, It seems like he's enjoying segueing in part into the next phase and coaching maybe more than he thought he would enjoy coaching the young athletes. So so we'll see. But um but obviously an absolute legend. And Barbarina has set himself up for some big fights. Now, I flew back to Miami with Santiago Ponzinibbio. And um, guys, I'll probably get you out of here right on the screws 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. I I don't know how we're going to get out of here before that. So uh, text me if if you got to do bedtime for any of your children or anything (laughs) else. Um, But as far as Barbarina is concerned, right? So Santiago Ponzinibbio and I flew back to Miami together. Ponzinibbio is doing the Spanish broadcast, sitting there minding his own business. And Barbarina's coaches are like coming at him after the fight, like, you're next, you know? And so Ponzinibbio, who really thought he beat Michelle Pereira in his last fight, which was very close, you know, is sort of in a weird spot now, having lost two in a row. He doesn't have a ranking anymore. Let's go. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a great fight. You know, Ponzanibio's ready to go. So we're making the fight here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Brian Love Barberina it. versus Santiago Ponzanibio. Sean Shelby, I believe you hand, handle the welterweights if you're listening. Uh, you know, yes. And and yes, the Barberina corner right next to that Spanish commentary desk. So uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, Pedro Munoz and Sean O'Malley, fellas. Ends anticlimactically. You know, I will say I did give the first round to Sean O'Malley because of a couple of punches that I thought were damaging, even though two of the three judges gave the first round to Pedro Munoz, courtesy of the leg kicks. Now, Pedro Munoz's eye is really bad. Like, you ain't fighting Sean O'Malley with one eye. So any suggestion that he was quitting or looking for a way out, you know, he was saying, I can't see. And part of me was thinking, well, open the eye a little bit. He couldn't open the eye. You know, there is real damage there. Um But, you know, Jack Slack MMA, great follow and just great MMA mind. You know, he sort of was suggesting before the fight or maybe retroactively, but that, you know, didn't like the matchup for Pedro Munoz. Felt like the way Pedro Munoz needed to win the matchup was just to mirror stances like that and just do leg kicks to both legs. And basically Mm -hmm. that's it. Right. And fuck if that wasn't the game plan, Ken Flo, that he came out with and realized a lot of success. Uh, you guys listened to my breakdown. It was the same thing. I was like, this is a perfect match for O'Malley. Like, <laughs> Munoz is screwed because mm-hmm. every time I'm like, this is how Munoz can approach this certain fight and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he can win this fight, but he never fought that way. He would always just kind of plow forward and look to try to kill you. Um, and I thought he was going to do the same thing. You know, I was like, listen, he, he's done the same thing for so many years. I don't see him changing here against O'Malley. O'Malley's going to knock him out because of that. And he did the right thing. He didn't just go forward. He was switching his stances. He was attacking that lead leg of O'Malley. He wasn't, you know, throwing himself off balance with big shots. He wasn't forcing the knockout. He was getting in and getting out. And he was fighting a really smart fight. In my opinion, one of the smartest fights of his career and was doing really well. Um, so it was unfortunate, man. You know, like on that replay, 
again, I, and I tweeted about this. I didn't see the eye. I didn't see the finger go in the eye. I, I think Munoz is one of the toughest guys in out there. I don't see him faking it. Um, but maybe it happened just before that eye gouge, or maybe that was the eye and it just got scratched and I missed it. But um, that was really unfortunate because things were just heating up. And to me, yeah. O'Malley was getting a little frustrated. He was, he was, I thought he was winning that second round, but he was getting a little frustrated because O'Malley is that guy that needs that very specific dance partner, or at least looks best when he has that very specific dance partner who was coming forward, um, you know, trying to take his head off. O- O'Malley is a counter guy and he's a long counter guy and he's fast and he's sharp and he, you know, knows how to catch you coming forward. Um, uh, but it seemed like he was struggling a little bit when he had to go and chase Munoz a little bit and he was chasing and then getting hit with leg kicks and, and he seemed to be a bit frustrated. So there, there is a blueprint out there uh, of how to get it done against O'Malley and O'Malley's going to have to make some adjustments moving forward of like, um, how, how do I go and chase in a smart way and, and really nullify leg kicks when I do that? Yeah. Brian Petrie, Sean O'Malley said after the fight, he felt like he was checking a lot of those kicks mm-hmm. and he felt like audibly he was hearing that maybe Pedro was, uh, being, hurt by those checks um Mm -hmm. how did you score the first round and ultimately your thoughts on the fight first round's tough i mean i'm such i'm really a bad scorer i mean i probably lean pedro but there was a lot of leg kicks that were checked and there was a couple times where pedro loaded up to throw a kick and he 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 was like oh probably because his foot or his shin hurt um but it was very competitive i agree with kenny though sean looked frustrated he looked a little off second round he started kind of getting uh getting up a little bit his corner gave him straight advice. Like he's throwing naked leg kicks. Just fucking snipe him. You got the you got the advantage. Just throw that right hand. Looked like he froze a little bit. But listen, I'm an accountability guy. I'm gonna go ahead and, and hold myself accountable. I threw up a tweet. I said, if I didn't respect Munoz, I'd say he quit. Okay. Now, of course, I don't think he quit because he faked an eye poke. My yeah. my uh thesis or whatever you want to call it was because he rushed. He wouldn't give five minutes. I thought Herzog did great. Herzog, let's just relax. He goes, no, he found me twice. I can't see. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, Herzog's like, okay. And the doctor's like, all right, we got five minutes. We got five minutes. He goes, no, twice now. I can't see. And I'm like, is this guy really looking for a DQ? So, of course, me being money on the fight, being a green color glasses idiot, I sent that tweet out. I'm going to stand by it. I don't think he quit. I think Pedro Munoz is an absolute stud. I've seen pictures today. His eyes fucking jacked. Right. Um, <laughs> obviously, I didn't see the. I, I I'm with Kenya. I didn't necessarily see the poke, but anything that happened in there, he's got a scratch corner or whatever it is. But I was just like, he's rushing instead of waiting for the five minutes. It That's reminded fair. me of the. It reminded me of the Jeremy Stevens uh, eye poke against Yair. Jeremy like just couldn't get his eye open. His like eye like see shut. That was really bad. Yeah, and he waited like five minutes, and afterwards he couldn't do it. And I just feel like Pedro's like, nah, he fouled me. Fuck it. You know, I can't see within like 30 seconds. So Let that was my thing. To that. Go ahead. Go give it to me. So we did show a second replay that clearly showed a fairly bad okay. eye poke. Technically, you don't get five minutes for an eye poke the way you do a groin strike. Right. We do expect that we can affect change as far as that language is concerned. And um, okay. I think eventually that will be righted. But you did see in the title fight when Jared Cannonier got poked in the eye. And they suggested bringing in the doctor. I mean, he didn't want to hear any of that noise. So I did believe that it was a quick reaction from Pedro. And Herzog, obviously understanding this is a pay-per-view opener, a big fight, he would like it Mm -hmm. to continue. Um, But I think Pedro understood the damage maybe that he had sustained. But it's not that 
you know, I part of me probably internally subconsciously was judging a little bit at first, like, man, mm -hmm. you know, what's going on here? He really is uh, saying the one thing you can't say and saying it yeah. right away. Right. right. Kind of, well, like you can't say I can't see. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in Sean O'Malley and um, I don't know if they're going to do that fight again or what they're going to do. But, um, you know, perhaps they'll be able to turn Sean around quickly. I mean, he barely even broke a sweat. I mean, yeah. that'd be a good fight. I mean, is that do you guys think that's a. Uh main event fight night worthy or no you mean i think it is now yeah to do a yeah. rematch I think oh so, yeah right yeah yeah because yeah. they had a little steam even before the fight now sean is going out there saying he won every second of the fight and pedro's like well look at my you fucking scratched my eye up so now there there can really be a nice little build up i think yeah and, and john to like go back to your to your first round analysis of that fight yeah i think that fight could have gone either way you know i, okay. I thought yeah. maybe they were leaning towards um you know towards Munoz, but I definitely think O'Malley has a case for that first round too. He landed some really sharp punches on the, on the feet. And I thought, um, those kicks were, you know, some of those kicks were being blocked as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't changing the way O'Malley was fighting him. Let's put it that way. It's not yeah. like he was limping at all. So right. I don't know. O'Malley's had a lot of weird circumstances in his career already. I mean, he has a, an outstanding pro record, great finishing rate, but the Andre Sukumtov fight, you know, getting injured sort of, and, surviving in that fight and then obviously the perennial nerve thing not trying to take anything away from marlon cheeto vera and now there's no contest you know had a torn labrum in his hip um i think maybe some plantar fasciitis potentially but um i really do believe that eventually he's gonna he's gonna work his way into title contention he is really really good and really really fast and i can't tell you how many times having called most of his ufc career how many times this athlete is inches away from sending someone to what are, what are the young kids at the fucking shadow realm or whatever shadow realm. I mean, there it is yeah. inches away all the time <laughs> you know so um but yeah certainly an anticlimactic way uh to begin the pay-per-view portion um all right before we move along to our predictions for ufc fight night i'm just going to throw a few things at you guys and you tell me what you want to talk about um ian gary clean 30 to 27 times three over gabriel green Drakus Duplessis in the middleweight division is fucking enormous. And he's, I mean, he's a promoter's dream, the South African with his fighting style. Andre Muniz, clean over Uriah Hall, who just refuses to be submitted. Um, Jessica I and Donald Cowboy Cerrone both retire. Jim Miller, 40 UFC fights, Kenny. 40 UFC fights. Now, there was a time in Jim Miller's UFC career, and I've said this before, but I remember on ESPN MMA Live in 2008, um, wasn't breaking news, but we announced on a, on a three shot, you know, a, a three topic full screen, you know, Jim and Dan Miller signed with the UFC in 2008. Here we are 14 years later. Guy has 40 UFC fights, 40 fucking UFC walks. There was a time in his career where he lost four in a row and eight of 12. And um, now he's won three fights in a row. Um, so any final thoughts on 276? Ken Flo, we'll start with you. Hey, John, do you know how bad my back hurts? <laughs> like what what did we say i had like 15 fights in the ufc is that what we were talking about more like than that 50 uh, whatever i don't know how many fights the 16 17 fights 40 fight dude 40 for he has twice as many my my back would be broken in half and that would be like maybe like my i can't understand the durability of jim miller and Again, it's not even that. It's not like he's fighting and losing. He's fighting and winning a lot of these fights. He's, you know, beating some young guns as well. It's amazing what he's done. And again, this is Lyme disease, Jim Miller, too. Yeah, <laughs> like he dude. had to deal with that and all the other things that he had to deal with outside of his life. Like he's he is an absolute warrior, man. It's it's great to see a guy like Jim Miller who comes from just about my era 
and it, it, to still see him fighting and be successful is uh, just amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, Cody's saying right now he had a win over Oliveira. You know, it's 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 very yeah. very impressive. Twenty four um, UFC wins, number crazy. one all time. Great to see Cerrone um, retire. I think this was this was coming down the pipeline. I love that he's got other things going on, acting. He's killing it on that front. Jessica, I she's been you know fighting forever as well. It seems, um, and uh, I think she made the right choice as well. Um, always like to see that. And um, yeah, man, what else? I mean, there was there's a lot of great fights out there. Um, so yeah, du- Duplessis. Yeah, Tough guy, dude. Like oh he was, he, he had a pace in round one. I'm like, there's no way mm. this guy is gonna be able. He's either looking for the knockout in the first like seven minutes, or that's yeah. it. But he's not gonna be able to go 15 minutes. And I couldn't. I forget who, what, which one of you guys said it. And I thought it was perfectly said. Is that after he actually got tired, he looked way better because he had mm-hmm. settled down and was kind of more picking his shots and was instead of just going like a madman. Um, was was uh, way more composed and, and picking his shots of when to enter and when to yeah. land shots, and he kind of just overwhelmed. Um, you know, uh, gosh, I'm like, why am I blanking on? Yeah, uh, Brad Tavares. Yeah. Tavares. Sorry, I don't yeah. want to say Brian Tavares. Brad Tavares. I'm sorry. Um, of of you know, just Tavares just kind of had it, couldn't keep up with that pace. Um, and yeah, that was another banger of a fight. Yeah, Tavares mm-hmm. is just tough as hell. I have so much respect for that guy. It certainly wasn't me who said that about Drake as Duplessis, but I will say Thursday night I got about 10 minutes backstage with the great Habib Nurmagomedov, and one of the things he imparted upon me, it's amazing how much wisdom you can get from a guy like that in 10 minutes, like totally fucking blown away by his brain. But he basically talked about, you know, most athletes being more tired after round one than round two because of, you know, something that happens with your system and your heart rate yes. and everything else, you know, but um. Duplessis like is is one of those hardest workers in the room type guys mm-hmm. married to the game. But even that, even knowing the commitment and knowing everything that comes out of our fighter meeting, I still didn't think he was going to be able to uh, sustain that pace. Um, Brian, we'll get to you on sort of the Cerrone Miller stuff if I could. You know, Stefan Struve yeah. once said to me he hoped to be the first UFC fighter to get to 50 UFC fights. And right. I never thought anybody would get to 40. Here is Jim Miller, who looks like he might even get to 45. And on the other side for Donald Cerrone, you know, it's nice that he has the movie star career to go into because there are a lot of acting opportunities that are coming his way. And given his show money, we heard a lot about his desire to get to 50 UFC fights. And I agree with Kenny. Like, I'm glad that Cerrone understands that he just he doesn't love it anymore. He doesn't think he has anything to offer mixed martial arts anymore and thankfully there's a financial pipeline on the other side which candidly the sad reality is there isn't for a lot of mm-hmm. other guys and that's why they stick around yeah I, i'm glad cowboy got out respect hall of fame career i mean you know if you don't love it the dana said it a million times if you don't love it you got to get out i mean this isn't I mean, we're not baking cupcakes here i mean you're getting hurt so you got to get out and jim miller is an absolute stud. i'm actually surprised i have a, I have two questions for kenny actually one is were you ever ever talks of fighting Jim Miller. I'm really surprised you guys have never, that would have been a good matchup for both you guys. I thought I've been a fun fight. I always thought I was going to fight Jim Miller. Yeah. Uh, Jim Miller and Frankie Edgar. I was like, I, they, they were always on my radar. And yeah. I remember like always thinking about the fact that my skills needed to be better than those guys. 100%. Right. I always thought about like, those are guys that are going to be a problem. Um, and it was always kind of preparing with those guys in the back of my mm-hmm. mind, but yeah, never, never happened. Never, never, came never up. was even offered. Um, huh. Interesting. Well, there were no rankings when Kenny was competing. Right. Kenny was in title contention when Jim Miller sure. signed with the UFC. Yeah. So 
But yeah, no, that's interesting that he was on your radar, Kenny, because I was sort of. Yeah, that's very interesting. Because well, I remember question? Jim Miller fought Gray Maynard, and that was kind of like, all right, who's going to be the next guy going up? And I remember Gray beat him. And then shortly after that, I mean, Kenny fought Gray. I know that. But my other question was Andre Munez. I was very critical of him on the ground because I think this guy's very lights out. He's amazing, but it only looked like he was looking for one thing. And I and I'm like, okay, well, let's okay, you obviously let's let's move past the armbar. You because like like for example, like I, I tweeted out if Damian Maya went down there, Damian Maya is setting up whatever you can get. He's not waiting for a perfect armbar, and you're the jujitsu master. So I wanted to pick your brain on that. Like, what Dude. what was he doing down there? This guy, he's good, John. He's good. He's spot on, one hundred percent. I was like, why is he just looking for this damn armbar? First of all, like as far as again, I've said this before. As far as submissions, if you have the choice, again, life or death situation. If you yeah. have the choice of a choke or an armbar, please go for the choke. The choke's yeah. a done deal. You yeah. shut yeah. off the blood to the brain. They get put out. You know, they go to sleep. You walk uh, you away. Can, you can, yeah, exactly. Arm lock. Uh, you never know. It, you're, it's way looser. There's way more space. You're, you're talking about way, way more precise timing. Um, also, guys are tough and let their their arm break and still fight you. So I don't understand. It's like he didn't even want to go for the rear naked choke. I thought DC about was, it. Yeah, DC was talking about it. It's like, get your control. Yeah. You have the control and go for the choke. He, he just wanted that arm. Break. I couldn't agree more, dude. I, I don't know why he was doing that. And Mooney's obviously no submissions but right. yeah I, I either he has a propensity to just go for arm locks and he was stuck on that but yeah I, it didn't make sense to me either man yeah I'm if like, you're what, a jiu-jitsu like, player on his level and you only have one career win by rear naked choke i would ask the question is it not a stylistic thing that he just either doesn't have a a ken flow just vice fucking rear naked choke <laughs> or that he just prefers and instinctually instinctively goes for the arms it must be the thing that like he he loves doing arm bars and that's his thing and he thought that he was going to be able to do that and um, just couldn't get it done. But he was he was giving way too much space from Uriah and allowing Uriah to turn and face him. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. And then he was it was like every single end of the round it was Uriah getting on top and you know landing some ground pound but at the very least yeah. getting on top and yeah he was he he. He needs to go back and, and really drill that position and get that rear naked cho- uh, rear naked choke going for sure. Mm-hmm. Cody just popped into the chat and said Cowboy Cerrone said perhaps after this fight that he knew he was done before he fought Conor McGregor at UFC 246. I saw that on that's Twitter. Yeah. Case. Um, you know, Stephen A. Smith maybe deserves somewhat of an apology. For the <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Not, oh, boy. You know, yeah. Yeah. Is that going to get me in trouble, Bryce? Oh, no, I don't think so. I mean, listen, Stephen A. Smith, I remember he got panned a lot by that. I mean, the guy, you know, he is what he is. I have no problem with him. Yeah. All right. We are going to get to our predictions now for the upcoming UFC live event. We might even have another uh, segment for you later in the week because UFC 276 was just uh, an absolute monster, and there's so much to come out of it. Uh, and, you know, Ray Longo, like he, you know, he likes the fame, you know, that comes with this. So, uh, you know, let's see if Ray can't be heard from on the uh, channel later in the week. Maybe we'll have fucking Big Gun step in and do that. I don't know if I want to go one-on-one with Longo. On Ray Longo. Uh, but this week, uh, if we could go four wide, I would love to do that because the pronunciation of the week returns. And uh, we're going to get to a... There he is. Uh, hi, Cody. Boy's What's here. up, man? Oh, Cody Merrow had boots on the ground in Las Vegas, was there all week uh, showing his support. He was at UFC 276, came and supported me at the UFC Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And um, just appreciate you, brother. Good to see you. Welcome home. What's up? Your mic's oh. muted, motherfucker. 
Uh oh. He looks good though, doesn't he? Look he good. looks great. Got matching shirts today, and um, I can't hear you now, brother. But we're gonna get to this pronunciation of the week. I had my wife uh, try this name earlier, and um, she's over one on the year. Needless to say. <laughs> But we're going to go pretty quick on some of the picks here today, guys, and then we will spend most of this segment, obviously, on Rafael Faziv and Rafael Dos Anjos. This one's a little tricky. Actually, at the PFL, you guys had a Cooper versus Cooper fight last week. Is that correct? We did. We did. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would think like if they're fighting for the title, maybe you do that. But wouldn't you try to avoid that scenario? Before I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Tell me about it. Well, what, what did happen is Ray Cooper went out like Brett Cooper stole something from him. Yeah. I mean, he was, he went out, he looked like vintage Mike Tyson, dude. He just, it was a berserker barrage and he, he, he was angry and wanted to knock out Brett Cooper as quickly as possible and never allowed Brett Cooper in the fight. It was, it, it was almost a mauling and, and Brett yeah. is a, he, Brett's a, a wily veteran man who's been around the game, who, who could be dangerous as well. But uh, Ray was racing pissed and uh, just did a brutal, brutal performance, man. Did you see the Roy McDonald fight, Brian Petrie? I guess he I lost did. to highly touted Sadubu C, but uh, yeah. still advances to the playoffs in this format. That's your that's your typical new scoring. I mean, Roy was clenching him a lot, and and C was landing on the outside. Roy had a little bit of damage on his face. Uh, I know all the announcers scored it for for Roy. I just kind of in my head was like, the way they're scoring these fights, I don't know if Roy's got it, and they just didn't give it to him. I feel bad for Roy. I've always been a fan of Roy. It looked like though, I don't want to be critical. Looked like he just looked a little bit like a step behind. C's a great striker. He's a big, powerful dude. I just Rory really tried for those takedowns and just couldn't get it. I, I wanted after the second round, I want rather him see him, you know, rough him up, you know, stand from the outside instead of keep going for these takedowns. But uh, yeah, I mean, Rory McDonald though, man, OG been around forever. Oh, no doubt about it. One of my favorites. I was very sad when he left the UFC. All right, we're gonna try the pronunciation of the week one more time. If not, we'll get Cody. You got me. There he oh, is. There yeah. he is. I feel like John Anik. I just arrived home off of a flight and I put the cans on, ready to go. So, oh, that's how, do you, how feel? you want to do this 25, 30 times a year? Not necessarily. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so hey, the, the Casamigos and tequila, John. That might be your secret, huh? <laughs> oh, Although, man. I don't know. My voice, my voice is a lot more washed out than yours. I spent seven hours on the cans on Friday and then went to the fights last night. So, yeah. Hell is of a he car. telling me that after I called the paper you last night, he's complaining about his voice? Is that what he's doing? Right no, <laughs> yeah, I actually, yeah. I actually slept four hours on the red eye, which almost never happens, and then I was able to take a two and a half hour nap because I have a great wife and it's it's my forty fourth birthday. So there when you, you say, "Honey, I, I really need <laughs> to sleep for a podcast," you know, it's like, what are you going to say, like on on your spouse's birthday, like, "Honey, um, Cody, this is your moment, though." Well, so. granted, I mean. You know, boots on the ground. When I saw John after the Hall of Fame, so which fantastic job, John. The Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame ceremony was amazing. I mean, you didn't use my joke, which I thought, you know, probably would have gotten you Yeah, probably would have gotten uh, you a little trouble, right? Yeah. So basically, at one point, I was going to ad lib beginning a segment, and uh, Cody thought about a Will Smith joke. I came up with the inspiration for the joke. I was just going to look out and say, I just want to make sure Will Smith is not uh, a <laughs> nice. Um, but, you know, Although, at this point, he's going to be Nate oh, Diaz, too. Been, yeah, Nate That's Diaz clapped him, dude. I saw that. That was yeah. staged. That was staged. Oh, that was, that was fake? staged, yeah. Um, was it? Was it, though? That was staged. That the stage as it gets. I, I, mean, I, 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 I Vince McMahon was cage side, so you he's, might be right. But he I don't slapped know. some of the Nelk Boys guys that he oh, said report. he had a problem with on Twitter. Yeah, the reporter. Well, I don't know. He was talking yeah. trash yeah. on uh, Nick Maximoff. That's what it was. Yeah. Like a shitty tweet about it. But yeah, 
Got All right, well, this week, fellas, the pronunciation of the week returns. This Brazilian fighter is 11-1, and one, making his second UFC appearance in the co-main event this weekend at the old UFC Apex. Cody, who we got? Who we well, got? Uh, so, John, are you throwing me softballs here because I'm getting off a flight or what? Because I, I feel huh. like the Brazilian, oh, right. the, the same Brazilian. Portuguese name is Uh <laughs> oh, This fucking guy. Caillou. <laughs> Boy, no, it's not Caillou. No, it's not no, no, he failed. Uh, no. Caillou, <laughs> sir. You I are mean, there's wrong. a show, there's a kids' <laughs> television program, Brian Petrie. Yeah, like, well, no, Caillou, not right? not Caillou, but Caillou. All right, Caillou. 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 You want to try the surname? <laughs> you want to try the surname, Cody? Or just yeah, take the uh, loss right here. Boy, Caillou. <laughs> Right? <laughs> no, wrong, sir. Right, do I need to play the file? I'll just get yeah, off. That's let's fine. Just... No, let's hear Kyle. Caio Borralho. Caio Demetro Borralho. Caio Borralho. I don't know what you were doing. I mean, are he you ever doing... thought it? I think he ever thought it. I think oh. he ever thought it. <laughs> are you, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I also haven't slept. So yeah, yeah, there it okay. is. Well, no, I'm running on zero hours of sleep. <laughs> Our former producer TJ DeSantis. I felt like sometimes when this was his role, you see Cody's getting pissed. He shot that producer ready to fucking fight. Don't you compare me to but TJ Our former DeSantis producer, I think sometimes would. You know, for the segment's sake, just, you know, butcher the name. It's kind of, he sounded like today, maybe for the segment's sake, you just wanted to absolutely. Uh, yeah, right, Cody? That's what you for did, the content. Right? No, that's for the exactly accurate. I mean, yeah. I know John so well that he just picks up on my jokes. Like, I can't even, <laughs> can't even sarcasm the guy. He just picks up right on that. Um, we will talk to you later and get all of the uh, meat on the bone, bone marrow, and the marrow seconds. Uh, nice. Cody, so we love you, you fellas. Get Thank you, fellas. Pick. All right, so let us get to the picks, uh, and Cody will uh, maybe update the standings, but if you don't feel like doing that right now, um, you don't need to worry about it. Who do you guys think won last week anyway? We, Kenny and I were pretty similar. I okay. can't even yeah. remember if we had a descending pick because he picked Max too. Okay. And All he right. picked Pereira as well. Those are the two that I think would be descending, but I think we – yeah, I don't remember. How are you guys going to fade Volkanovski? No, I'm just kidding. All right. At lightweight, <laughs> Jamie Malarkey, minus 190. Michael Johnson, plus 155. Johnson picked up his first win since 2018. Recently, actually, it was a knockout of Alan Patrick. Exactly eight weeks later, he returns here against Malarkey, who saw his two-fight winning streak stopped rather remarkably uh, by uh, the aforementioned Jalen Turner. That was UFC 272 in March. Brian Petrie. Malarkey, about a two-to-one favorite here over the credentialed Michael Johnson. Which way are you going? Hi, my name is Brian Petrie, and I'm addicted uh, to betting Michael Johnson. I can't get away. This guy's so good, right? He's 2017, which is an absurd record, but he's good, and then it's like he falls apart, and then he went away for a year and because he was very active, and he came back and said, like, I cleaned up a lot of shit in my life. I'm back. He looked good against Patrick, who's a, who's a – I mean, he's not a high, high-level guy, but he's a tough out, right? We saw Mason Jones struggle with him. And Michael Johnson's speed, it, it powers, just everything's there. The, the the thing is is right here. This is what gets in his way. They had Jamie Malarkey, who's got two wins in the UFC, I believe. Both guys I don't think are in the UFC anymore, Kama Worthy and, and Devontae Smith. It's coming off a loss over um, – a, a finish loss. Got knocked out by Jalen Turner, which, again, we, we talked about being a beast that guy is. But I like his move. He, you know, he, he once was a former opponent of Volkanovski. He's like, no, fuck it. I'm going to go train with this guy. Same with Brad Riddell. Got knocked around by Brad Riddell in his uh, UFC debut. But, man, Michael Johnson, just athleticism is just so good. I mean, Malarkey, the only way you – know, he likes to stay long. He's slow, though. And he, the only way I see him winning, if he really kind of hunts for a takedown and wants to get on top. But I think Michael Johnson, early in his career, really showed good wrestling chops. 
speed athleticism. Give me Michael Johnson at a plus number. I can't get away from it. Yeah, Kenny, I think a lot of people are going to have to take a hard look at that plus 155 on the Johnson side. Malarkey figures to be very motivated, uh, given what happened against Jalen. But uh, what are your thoughts on the fight, ultimately the price, and which way are you going? I was hoping BP would have gone uh, with Malarkey, but he's too smart, John. He's too smart. I'm telling you. Um, yeah, no, listen, I, I think there's a lot of value here in Michael Johnson. Um, Malarkey is going to throw down. He's so aggressive. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and I think these are the kind of fights where Michael Johnson can kind of take advantage of, the, of that situation. Um, I, I'm surprised that Malarkey is as big as a favorite as he is. I, I, don't, I don't think Michael Johnson's done at this point. I, I, I think he I still has it. some fight in him. Um, but, uh, yeah, give me, give me MJ. How do you not say Malaki in a Boston accent? I know I said smart, but I didn't say Malaki. I almost tried it, but I don't want to get laughed off the screen. So I just left it. Well, dude, I know <laughs> our time. Don't worry, BP. I already did that for you. <laughs> right. I don't know if you saw the exclusive segment we, uh, we did on fight. Pass I did. I loved it. I loved dude, it. And Flo, like I never had a Boston accent that thick. Okay. Right. I just didn't. <laughs> And obviously he was fucking training in Somerville and all mm -hmm. over fucking Braintree, fucking Danvers. Mm -hmm. But like, just go to that segment on UFC Fight Pass and listen to the way he says the word mounts. I mean, he mm -hmm. sounds like he grew up with parents who had the <laughs> thickest fucking Boston twang in the city. I mean, I love my it. God, you know. All right, we got to yeah. move on to uh, the bantamweights here. Oh, Snyder Magomedov, minus 250. Douglas Silva Deandraj is plus 200. Uh, Nurmagomedov, no relation, four and one in the UFC, coming off a huge submission win over Cody Stamen. Silva Diandraj just getting no respect here from uh, from the betters, despite a lot of success. I know thirty seven years of age, Brian, that factors into the the price mm -hmm. and the handicap for sure. But um, D Silva's body of work, win over Marlon Chito Vera, couple straight wins, beat Sergey Morozov. Your thoughts on this fight, and uh, are you laying the chalky price with Nurmagomedov? Yeah, I'm a shock boy. Uh, you know, it just I really took a hard look at Silva Deon Drops because he got he got tuned up against Morozov in that first round. I thought it was done. And then he came back and finished him. He's a bricked up dude. He's got a great record. Inconsistency with his with just how many times he fights. He's been in the UFC forever. He just doesn't fight a lot. Same can be said by Saeed. I mean, this guy, you know, it, it's like one a year and he's done. People forget about him. He's got that great guillotine win over Cody Stamen, which is Cody Stamen's a legit guy in this division. He's got the skills. He's long and lanky. He's got striking. His one loss is a Hani Barcelos, who uh, I think is right. a legit guy as well. He's a good grappler, and that was a very competitive fight. But, yeah, I'm going to lay the chalk. I mean, listen, the value is all on De DeAndrachi. I just think Saeed's going to take him, take it to him early, jump up on him early, and then maybe kind of coast for a decision. I don't see a finish here because DeAndrachi is very tough, but uh, give me Saeed by decision. Kempflo, what do you got, kid? Yeah, man. Uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov, uh, I'm a big fan. Um, I think he's a, a tremendous grappler and integrates his striking extremely well. Now, you know, can he get caught by uh, DeAndrash? Yeah, I, I think he can. Um, I just don't see it happening. I, I think um, Nurmagomedov's got too many skills, um, and I, I think um, he's too consistent. I, 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 li I like him as well. All right, quickly on the co-main event, fellows. Kayo Bohalio, minus 175. Armin Petrosian, plus 150. Hope I'm getting that one right i don't know that i've ever seen either of these athletes compete they both have just one pro loss both making their second ufc appearance and they're getting the co-main event slot here in the middleweight division bryce so obviously uh the promotion believes in these guys what are your thoughts on the co-main event and ultimately on which side do you fall brother yeah so i'm gonna keep it short and sweet my one i'm gonna go uh kai uh Kyle, Kyle, 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go that because my biggest issue with him, I think he's very good. He trains it. He went and cross trained in Vegas and Petrosian had a tough time at Robocop in his UFC debut. Both guys coming off the contender series. Petrosian, a very good kickboxer. Um, however, you know, he struggles with the ground. I think Barolo can take him to the ground. However, he calls himself a fight nerd, right? And it's the guy's a Jack Brazilian with a throat tattoo. You're not a nerd because you put on glasses, bro. You know what I mean? Like, you're a fucking stud. You probably are with two chicks right now. Let me get him in the co main event. I think he's going to finish. I think he'll get on top, get a TKO. I think he's aggressive. And I think he is talented. I think he's, he's, he's young right now, but I think he's going to get the finish here. Kenny, I know it's been a busy week. You called the PFL in Atlanta. You watched every bit of UFC 276. Anything quickly for us on the co main event? Yeah, listen, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, uh, before Boha's UFC debut, though, I was very impressed with the way he approached it. I like Bohalio here. I think he gets it done, um, uh, probably on the ground, but um, I, I, his striking really surprised me. This kid's good, and he's got a lot of potential, so watch this kid. All right, I'm going to lead with Ken Flo on the main event. Rafael Faziv, minus 205. Rafael Dos Anjos, plus 175. Faziv coming in, of course, off of that resounding win over Brad Riddell. 31st UFC fight for the legend, Rafael Dos Anjos. One of my absolute favorites. My head was spinning, so when I went to prep today, I literally lost track of how many main events and big fights this guy has been in, Kenny. And um, I'm going to bang the drum so fucking hard for RDA to get into the UFC Hall of Fame. I'm going to bang it like I've never banged it for anybody else. Won the lightweight title, defended it. 30-plus UFC fights. But Ken Flo, he is an underdog here against Rafael Faziv. How do you handicap the main event? This is an interesting one. Um, I, I think that Dos Santos um, has some value here. Um, I think that Fiziev is a fantastic striker. I think he's a little bit sharper and faster than Dos Anjos. Uh, if the fight stays on the feet, I, I think Fiziev wins this one. Um, but I think people forget that Dos Anjos does have the ability, especially at 155 pounds, uh, to get you up against a cage, pose a lot of problems, fight yeah. smart, take down. Uh, and, and win, uh, grind out a win. Uh, you know, he, he definitely did that uh, in his fight against Moicano. Now Moicano was coming up from 145 pounds, uh, or has fought at 145 pounds, uh, was taking the fight on short notice, um, and um, is a pretty dangerous guy. Certainly not the quality of striker that Fiziev is, but a dangerous guy nonetheless. And I thought that it was a very dominant performance over Moicano. So I think there there's definitely some value there for RDA, um, Fiziev, um, seems like he's extremely athletic, extremely talented, very sharp with oh. his striking. Um, and, and, you know, I, we haven't seen him against a high level grappler like an RDA. So that has me a little bit confused, to be honest. I would be leaning towards. Getting a little choppy here. With Ken Flo, who just went out completely as he was about to give his selection. Ray was about to give his pick. Thank God we got to the UFC 276 stuff. So uh, I don't know if Cody has the ability to mute Ken Flo. Uh, hey, Kenny. You're can going you in now? and out. Sorry. Thankfully, uh, I can hear you now. Um, we just need the pick. We got everything up until the actual prediction. Uh, let's, go, let's go with RDA. I'll go with RDA. RDA plus 175 for Ken Flo, who has been uh, shrieking pretty well with his predictions of late. 
and we close out the picks with Brian Petrie on the main event for Zeev Dos Anjos. Who do you have, kid? God, I, 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 I love this number on RDA, and I thought Kenny was going to go the other way with this shiny new toy at 155 <laughs> that no one, you know, we, we haven't really seen a lot yet. I mean, he's been finished once, but I was by a backlist. Um, listen, I go back to the Bobby Green fight. You know, the Bobby Green fight. Bobby Green's is a well-rounded guy. I think RDA is a more better version. Of R, uh, Bobby Green with better takedowns, bigger, stronger, better striking. And Fiziv, I thought Fiziv, excuse me, I thought he, he struggled a little both bit. Both times, that's okay. Both times, okay. Rafael, is I that his name? You. There he is. Uh, <laughs> Again, Raphael, the marbles in the mouth, John. It's it's, it's, no, it's a tough, no, it's a, no. It's just that, like my my craft, my life's work is having. I know these a million times, dude. So you know, real it. quick for Heidi Dean who is is a fan of everyone on this show she watches my podcast and she'll send me the files of everyone i mispronounce and goes no way. yeah i swear that. to god Fuck. she goes john studies these and she's just like busting my balls it's so funny like i i struggle with like last time i did the show i forget i mean it's like three of them she's like here they are and they were pretty easy ones too anyway i'm going to rda i love the price i love that i think he's gonna grapple i love him back at 55 he's in brazil now as well he's got his whole new training camp circled around him in brazil um give me him i i just think i think he's gonna at this number and i think he's gonna climb too i think he's gonna get closer to two i think a lot of people are gonna fade him in this spot just because of his age yeah, and the wear and right. tear and everything but i like rda i love it yeah yeah give me rda babe interesting and uh you know i appreciate the nice words about the pronunciations but it really does come come down to practice you know yeah that's um, what you said yeah. otherwise i'd be out there saying brad quake rydell you know right right um yeah. All right, my man. Great to see. If you want more from Brian Petrie, he does a podcast called the MMA Takes Podcast, and you can find him on social media at Brian Petrie MMA. Twitter is his primary social media That's conduit. Right. VP, much love. Have a great weekend. Uh, we will talk to you, of course, in advance of Yaya Rodriguez and Brian Ortega uh, coming up on ABC. Appreciate you very much. Awesome, boys. I'll see you, John. Happy birthday again, and uh, have a good week, boys. Thank you, buddy. There he is, the great Brian Petrie, big gun with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. I mean, you using that word mount on our UFC suit 73 exclusive was just unbelievable. Got the mount. Uh, Cody Merrow with us for the Merrow seconds. I was sort of playing with the uh, the name of this segment, Cody, right? Because bone marrow is good. And then it's like we're sort of like I feel like when they serve like bone marrow at, at uh, fancy restaurants, it's like a, a delicacy and it's like a little bit of something. So it actually would fit if there was a way to. Make that, I don't, you know, you got Ray Longo minute, Marrow seconds. It's like a little cheesy, you know. So yeah, I mean, uh, and Florian Pod, if you got suggestions, you know. See you. Uh, I, I, la- Good I last longer than Ray, you know. So why, like, why should I get shafted with the seconds and he's got minutes? You know, I should be right. should be the Marrow hours. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um. All right. So um, what did we miss, and uh, what do you have for us on the way out? We just lost Ken Flo technically, so if he can refresh, he'll be back, and otherwise, we'll close it out without him. What do you got, Cody? Well, I'm bringing Ken Flo back in, but yeah, John, you know, much respect for the the pronunciation. Alex Pereira, you know, like that's one that's done a lot. Of, that's you hear that a lot of different ways the last week, and so to to hear you get that, you know, right, is very impressive. And Charles Oliveira, you know, Davison Figueredo. <laughs> Come on, I mean, man, what are you doing to me, man? <laughs> what are you doing to me? No, no. So, real talk on the Marrow seconds. I have never been more intimidated by a man, by an aura than Davison Figueredo. When I met him, wow. by him, like literally I've never been more scared of somebody who was five, three in my entire uh, life, like wow. ever just the, emits this aura. And I'm sure, you know, like he, he yeah. just has this energy of like, I'll kill you. Like I think he's, he's a murderer. closer to five, five, but yeah, that's very interesting. I really, yeah, I don't, anyone, anything below five, six, I don't really can't see. So I'm, yeah, yeah. 
Just uh, what else and, did you pick up on in Vegas there, kid? Uh, well, once again, you know, shout out Heidi Dean. Just what a sweetheart. Just the absolute, you know, one of the best people in the whole game, you know. Um, so yeah. wanted to jump back on uh, Brian's shout out there. I tweeted this. Uh, if Brian Tavares wasn't Hawaiian, he's getting finished in the second round of that fight. I mean, what is he made out of? That fight was insane. In person, also, uh, that Adesanya walkout was nuts. In yeah. the building, absolutely crazy. So I was lucky enough, John, and thank you again, I was sitting next to DC's brothers. And so his his older brother was, he, so he's got a cane, he's from the South, and like he's talking, he's like, he's like, man, I'll tell you. He's like, I like cane in here by decision. He's like, you should put in that live bet right now. The walkout huh. started, he tapped me on the shoulder, he goes, man, I hope you didn't put in that bet. <laughs> yeah, so, so that walkout right. was crazy. So yeah, if you didn't see it, he did the whole Undertaker routine from professional wrestling with the urn that said Jared on it. DC was so in his element that I literally went like this. Uh, I sort of gave him a gesture like, would you like to lead Adesanya's walk here? Right, because traditionally I lead the walk and then I pass the baton to either Joe or DC. And I was looking at him like, do you want to leave this man? You look pretty fired up because Joe and I have no idea what we're watching right now. Uh, and, you know, he deferred and eventually uh, we got there. But, yeah, it was it was a cool visual. No doubt. He came early to practice it. And uh, great job by Zach Candido and our entire production team. Michael LaPlante getting all that together. Well, and how cool for little Daniel, too, to be sitting right there with his dad. Yeah. And that walkout happens. And Shane, or Vince and Triple H come walking in. Shaq is there. I mean, like, what a great just weekend for DC. I mean, shout out to Hall of Famer. Um, that, that was incredible. Last but not least, Hamza tweeted about wanting to fight Alex Pineda, which then got a lot of responses of like, well, now you're ducking Bilal, which behind <laughs> the scenes, Joe Burrow was lobbying Dana White to get the Bilal Hamza fight. So, I love you it. know, we, Joey Burr, we got some energy coming out of the oh, state of Ohio, you know, for our boy Bilal. So I thought there was a lot of good stuff coming from this weekend. Good stuff, Cody, and great job with your boots on the ground. And uh, it is amazing how many high-profile professional athletes now, relative to 15 years ago, absolutely love the USA. I can't tell you how many Major League Baseball players whom I've connected with who are just all about it. Evan Longoria, chief among them, uh, killed the Red Sox for years. Um, but Joe Burrow, right? All about the UFC and uh, trying to put fights together. That is wicked cool. All right, today's show was brought to you in part by UFC Fight Pass, the world's premier combat sports streaming service with over 200 live events, the largest fight library in existence, original shows, and more. You can sign up for one year and get half off for a limited time at ufcfightpass.com slash sign up. All right, don't forget, Anaclorian Podcast merchandise can be yours at anaclorianpodcast.com. The code is FAM15. That means you're in the family for 15% off. Don't forget Kenny and Florian, KennyFlorianMartialArts.com for all of your jujitsu essentials. One more sleep merchandise, including the city-themed limited edition Vegas shirts, are available at millions.co. And please, if you are on UFC Fight Pass or encouraged to go sign up, obviously we just gave you the code so you can get half off for, uh, for a limited time for one year. Um, but please check out our, our exclusive uh, as we look back at Kempo's win over Alvin Robinson at UFC 73 and uh, let us know what you think. Uh, with that, we thank Ryan Petrie for joining us. Our executive producer is Cody Merrill. Thanks to all my UFC colleagues for everything uh, in helping me get through uh, a week in which uh, a lot was asked to be and I asked a lot of myself. Much love to uh, the entire team and my guy Kempo. With that, for Kenny Florian, I'm John Anik. We'll talk to you in about six short days. Until then, thank you for watching, listening, subscribing. Yo, later.
I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.